Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hello there, everybody. In the third hour of At Your Service tonight, my name is Dave Simons. Yeah, that guy that uh, occasionally shows up on a Sunday afternoon to host the Dollars and Cents show, which I will do 10 days from now as we get into that time of uh, of the season, non-baseball season, where dollars and cents returns, oh, every couple of weeks or so. For those of you who get my weekly commentary that I send out on Fridays, uh, I always keep everybody informed. So that'll be the first time that I will actually write tomorrow since I just found out that I will be hosting the show on October 31st. Yes, that's Halloween. Same time, 3 to 5, as always, when I do host the show on Sundays. But from there on out, I just will always let people know in the commentary, hey, I've got a show this Sunday, a couple Sundays or or whatever. So looking forward to getting back on the air and doing that. And, of course, that show is all about investing and markets and um, even getting into the economics of things, both domestically and globally. And, and a lot of topics now centering around inflation. Is it transitory? That's the big word now. Is it going to be somewhat temporary or is this here to stay? And we're going to really suffer from the ravages of inflation here for the next few years. And are we really returning to 1970s style of inflation? I don't believe that. But as I have been writing in the commentary, Uh, This is not one of the most confident things that I have uh, right now in in terms of of a particular topic, and that is inflation. There is a lot of data out there that suggests to me, um, boy, we got a long way to go here, and inflation could really become an issue. But other things I look at to say, well, other parts that, that saw inflationary pressures are actually starting to come back down again. So I think the jury is out on this. I do think that we will continue to see inflationary pressures well into 2022, but I don't think it's going to be anything like we saw back in the 70s and early 80s. In other words, you're not going to see 12% CDs, in my opinion. Uh, We're not going to see 16%, 17% U.S. Treasury bonds. I mean, that, that got a little ridiculous. And and I think the Fed, um, if the look, the Fed gets a lot of legitimate complaints. I I think reasonably so. They they tend to be asleep at the wheel a lot, and I and I fear 
that maybe they should be a little bit more active now. I think they are a little slow in reacting to the early signs of the potential for some real damaging inflation. I I wish that they would have already started to pull back some of these bond purchase programs that they're involved in, just continuing to flood the economy with liquidity that we just don't need. We see that. Um, if I get around to it, I'll talk about... Um, referring to one of the major and most successful hedge fund managers out there who John Tudor Jones, who was on, uh, uh, on CNBC here. Oh, what was it? Wednesday or so, I think. And he was talking about how for the first time that he can remember, um, did I say John, John, (laughs) it's Paul Tudor Jones, by the way, I think I said, John, Paul Tudor Jones, where he really does see uh, the potential for inflation. But at the same time, he says that doesn't mean the stock market itself, though, will suffer. That's the big key. You don't want to own bonds, traditional bonds necessarily, more like inflation hedges. But we'll get to that eventually. What I want to really focus on here, my friends, is uh, I'm a big numbers and statistics geek, and I just love stuff like this. These numbers were put together by BlackRock. We just ended a seven-month winning streak for the stock market. The market had gone up seven months in a row, was finally broken by about a 4% decline in the S&P in September. So BlackRock went back um, really four decades and wanted to know, when the market has had consecutive streaks like that, where's the market 12 months later? When that streak finally ends, is it the start of something more ominous? Does it? Do we get into maybe a correction or even a bear market? Or, as I write about in tomorrow's commentary, gains beget gains. Even just a little time out, once you've had a streak like that of better than five months, it doesn't end that quickly. You might have a little bit of a break, but we're off to another five months, four months, six months, maybe a little break and then more. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's what BlackRock uh, concluded. So the seven months, who knows what the market's going to look like 12 months from now, right? We do know here in October, we've made back already September's losses. The S&P today hit a record high. The Dow hit a record high yesterday. So we've already gone back up. It was like, oh, okay, thank you, September. You broke the streak, but hey, let's start another one. So they found 20 instances. This was the 20th time in more than 30 years, that the market has gone up at least five months in a row. And like I said, this time it was seven. The record is 15. And that started in late 2016 all the way through 2017. It finally ended in January of 18, 15 months in a row. Second to that uh, was a streak that ended in September of 95. That was 10 months. So that 15 months is pretty remarkable. Because second place is 10, and then you have some 8s and then a bunch of 7s that we just had. So what did the market do in the other 19 times that BlackRock fought? Well, of those 19 times where the market has had at least a 5-month winning streak or better, 17 of the 19 times the market was higher 12 months later. Folks, I know this is where we have to give the disclaimer. I understand, and it's real. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Absolutely truthful. But when you've got a a fairly large sample size like that, and it's overwhelming, you can't just dismiss it as some statistical anomaly. There's something to that. 
gains beget gains. I make no predictions of what the market will look like 12 months from now. Nobody knows. But when we look at this, we say at least history, though, gives us an indication that, say, the odds are this bull market ain't done yet. It's still got some legs. And by the way, the only two times when the market was down 12 months later, the declines in both cases, identical, down 2.3%. That's it. So, friends, we've got a sample size 19 times. And the worst example of the 19 times, the worst that we have, was a decline a year later of 2.3%, and it happened twice. And that was, interestingly, I talked about the record of 15 months in a row when it finally ended, January of 18. 12 months later, in January of 19, the market was down 2.3%. So that's one of the two times. The other, and I'm looking at it here, okay, it was a streak that ended in January of 07. The market had been up eight months in a row. 12 months later, January of 08, the market was down 2.3. Of course, it got really bad later on. We know that because the Great Recession would come into full force later in 2008. But all the other times... And we're talking about some pretty good gains here. I'm looking. Here's one at 34.7, 22.4. I mean, the so the average, even when you take into account the two declines of 2.3, the average increase of those previous 19 times is 12.1%. Again, I'm not, look, I'm not saying the market's going to be up 12% a year from now. In fact, it won't. None of the 19 times was up 12%. It was either a lot more, a little bit less, or whatever. The point I'm trying to make is do not fall into the trap that is so, it's so easy to do, and there are so many people trying to sell you things that say, this market has to crash. It's gone too far too fast. The market's overvalued. The market's this, the market's that. Look at inflation. Look at, and the and and I always just follow what, okay, the big boys and girls on Wall Street, they just try to make money in all markets, good markets, bad markets. That's where their skin is. That they, If the market's going down, they try to profit from that. So they don't need a bull market necessarily, the big hedge fund managers. They don't need a bull market necessarily to make money. But yet that's where they are. They feel that's where the momentum is. So I follow the market. I don't follow some headline writer. I don't follow some economist sitting in an office somewhere who's got all this data in front of him and say, I think the market's going to fall 9.6%. Well, what do you know? I'll ask my next-door neighbor. He's got as much of a valued opinion as you do. All this prediction stuff that people follow to specific numbers, is a, it's fruitless, it's meaningless, it's a waste of time. Instead, I will look at data like I just presented to you and say, okay, we've got a pretty good sample size that goes back to the 1980s. And 17 out of 19 times when the market's been up a lot of months in a row, it continues to go up. There's something there. There's energy there. There's some kind of theory of relativity there. I mean, it it continues. Gains beget gains. All right. Very good news. All right. I'm going to take a break here. And I've already teased this a couple of times, so I promise after the break, I will get right to it. But boy, one particular newly traded stock today, big in the news, it surged 400%. I just looked at it. It's up big again in the after hours trading, and it doesn't earn anything. 
It's not even a company yet. Well, it's up because of one name. One of the most famous names in the world is behind it, and it is a divisive name. I'll talk about it when we come back. You're listening to At Your Service on KMOX. My name is Dave Sun. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Come and stay with us. All right, I guarantee most of you, maybe all of you, before today especially, had never heard of this company called Digital World Acquisition Corporation. I'm in the business, never heard of it. And there's a reason why nobody had heard of it. It's not even a real company. It's what we call a SPAC, Special Purpose Acquisition Company. All right, this is an acronym that's been getting a lot of play in just the last year or two. It's a newfangled way to go public. And I'm going to keep this very, very simplistic, all right? There, there, there are a lot more moving parts here, but I'm just going to keep this as simple as possible. And that is, let's say that I wanted, I've got a lot of money and I've got a lot of investors. And I just would love to own a media company, a new media, because that's what I'm talking about. So, a, a or, or, or let me, here's something even better, because it's more popular. A new tech company, because that's all the rage. I would love to own the next Google, next Amazon, next whatever. 
Um, but that's not my thing. I don't know how to do that. I'm not a tech guy, but I'm a money guy and I can get investors. So I'm going to open this shell company that really doesn't have any assets. It's not even a business. It's just a name. And I'll call it in this case, Digital World Acquisition Corporation. So even by that name, it implies uh, I want to be in some kind of digital media of some sort, and I'm going to acquire something. That's what these SPACs are. What they'll do is they will basically merge with a real up-and-coming company that's not yet publicly traded. It's another way to go public, but you avoid the traditional IPO process that can get very bureaucratic, very costly. And so instead, you, you're this guy over here. You've developed this great little tech company or media company. You go to a company like Digital World Acquisition and say, hey, let's merge. And that's what happens now. So Digital World Acquisition Corporation merges, and I want to get this right here. Bear with me. It's uh, another longer name that I, frankly, had never heard about. Uh, Here it is. You're going to know this right off the bat as soon as I say the first name. Trump Media and Technology Group. So Digital World Acquisition Corp is the shell company, and it's publicly traded, by the way. I should point that out. These SPACs are already publicly traded. Now, would you buy it? You're only buying it on a hope that the people behind, the money people behind Digital World are going to successfully find some new company and merge with them. That's the only reason why you would buy that stock. Well, people who are doing that uh, have done quite well because they merged with Trump Media and Technology Group, which had this initial enterprise value of like $875 million. And so you're, you're, uh, you're guessing correctly, by the way, when Trump meets Donald Trump. We all know that he's been kicked off of Facebook. He's been kicked off of Twitter. So he really hasn't been able to get his voice out as much as he would like. He has the big rallies. But even a lot of the big major media companies really don't cover it that much these days. And you just know it, it kills him. So he's got this Trump Media and Technology Group that people have put together. Some big money have come along. They merge with this digital world. And voila, today it went public for the first time. Now, keep in mind, Trump Media and Technology Group really isn't big at this point. It doesn't have its footing yet. It needs to start getting subscribers, and I don't even know what the business model looks like. I haven't read it. Um, but in its first day, it, went, it came out at $10 a share. It went up 400% today. There's no revenues at this point. It's not even yet a fully run company operational company. It's going up just because people think Donald Trump is back. He is going to get all of the Trump followers to sign up at whatever cost it's going to be. And then some It's going to get a lot of attention. Even negative attention is going to be profitable. So the stock goes from 10 to 40 and I'm looking at it right here after hours. It's up another 44%. It's up now to 65 and change. So At the beginning of today, it was 10. It's going to open tomorrow at 65, at least as of about, what, 1026 St. Louis time. Who knows what it's really going to open up at 830 Central Time, but that's where the price is now. I'm just amazed by this. Now, 
when I talk about this, people are going to hear different things, all right? That's just the way the world works. But this has nothing to do with Trump, what I'm about to say. But, folks, this to me is a lot of hype right now when you have no revenues here. So you're buying it on a name. Now, I'm not saying that it won't be successful. Don't miss my point here. But this is just pure speculation. And not only is this thing going to have to take off, but you're going to have to have a ton of subscribers paying a ton of money to justify a stock that goes from 10 to 65. This kind of thing happens. So I sit back and I'm just, I admit I'm, I'm really fascinated by this. By the way, 360 million shares of DWAC, that's the symbol, 360 million shares traded today. Put that in comparison. There's an exchange-traded fund that tracks the S&P 500. The symbol is SPY, SPY, SPY. It typically, day-to-day, is one of the most actively traded investments out there because people just want to buy something that tracks the S&P 500. And the best way to do that is you just buy the exchange-traded fund under the symbol of SPY. That traded today about 20 million shares. Uh, 360 million. Oh, by the way, that's not even at the end of the day. That was still with a couple of hours left to go. I don't know what the final volume was. May have gotten to 500 million. But with a couple of hours left to go in trading, 360 million shares versus 20 million. For an ETF tracking the S&P 500. One more thing about this, too. It was one of the um, most talked about investments on that Reddit Game bets chat room thing, even more than GameStop itself today. Whoa, man, GameStop having to take a little back seat to Trump's new company. Um, I will give you the quote here in there is a brochure as this company, Digital World Acquisition Corp., was trying to get people to notice and to buy in, which they obviously did. And it says that TMTG Plus. Okay, TMTG, that's not a stock symbol. That's the acronym for Trump Media and Technology Group. But TMTG will feature non-woke entertainment programming, news, podcasts, and more. TMTG intends to launch a subscription video on-demand service called TMTG+. A corporate overview, and I'm reading this from some other news headline, a corporate overview of Trump's new company does not list any officers, employees, or operations. So there you go. It's still a shell trading on one man's name. Love him. Hate him. Don't have any opinion on him, which is probably the smallest group of the three. But when it comes to attention and when it comes to gathering the eyeballs and gathering the headlines, which... Hopefully for them, what they're trying to do is gather more money, of course. I, I don't know how successful this is. I give no opinion on that. But I would just caution people to chase these kinds of things uh, just on one man's name. Anyway, I just, I'm fascinated by this because it's part of the human psychology of investing that um, I typically follow. I honestly follow more on emotions and more human psychology and, and investor sentiment than virtually anything else when I try to divine the trend of the market. What is the sentiment of the market right now? Um, And it's not as greedy as you might think. 
It's just not. There's something that I follow called American Association of Individual Investors, AAII. It has a track record that goes back to 1987. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about that, plus some other things that I think are very worthwhile to to discuss involving the markets and where this stuff may be getting because it does have potential headwinds in things like inflation. So we'll dig into that a little bit as we're doing a mini version here of Dollars and Cents, the first time that we've really gotten into investing uh, here in the three-hour uh, show tonight. So anyway, it is uh, 1030 right now in St. Louis. We'll be right back. All right, let me, let me start with a little bit of a disclaimer, and it's an important one. We are not market timers, and you shouldn't be either. I just hate when I um, when I'm watching the financial shows on cable, or I'm perusing the financial websites, and we are just inundated with all kinds of headlines that tell us what we should be doing about the market today. Well, I I, I wouldn't be investing in this market. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean you, you sell everything and just go to the sidelines? Does that mean you stop adding to your investments in your 401k? That's terrible advice, especially in your 401k, where you want to, you take advantage of corrections by accident because each time that you're putting money into the 401k from your paycheck when the market's going down, you're buying cheaper shares. You want that to occasionally happen. That's how you build wealth over time. It's one of the great wonders of the world. Compounding interest, but in this case, we call it compounding growth, principal growth. It's an amazing thing, and it works with extra power during corrections. You want to keep adding into that. So please don't follow advice from people who are telling you to move in the market, out of the market. Oh, it's overvalued. Pull out. That is not how you build wealth. If if there was an investor's hall of fame, I'm telling you, there would not be a wing for market timers. They wouldn't exist. You can't be successful over the course of time. You can occasionally get it right. And people get, you know, they start to think much higher of themselves. They get some media attention. Hey, this is the guy that called the uh, the correction two years ago. And he'll have his 15 minutes of fame. But how do you continue to replicate that? You can't. And when you do try to time the market, let's say you get out, you actually have to be right twice. Now you need to know when to get back in. And then you just need to continue to do that. You can't do it. The great investors don't. Now, what you'll do is you'll manage what I call manage at the margins. So if you are really heavily invested in the stock market, even more that makes you a little uncomfortable in today's world and you're thinking, oh, man, it just takes one little bit of bad news and this market could correct 15, 20 percent. And okay, well, don't market time and start liquidating all your stocks. You can certainly pull back a little bit or if you want to keep your allocation to stocks the same. It's possible to just have less volatility, less what we call standard deviation or risk to say, I don't think maybe I should have as much in growth stocks that are more volatile. Maybe I'll take some of that off the table and come back and buy more traditional boring value stocks so I can keep whatever I have in the stock market, 70%, 50%, 80%, whatever your risk tolerance is. But I'm just going to kind of I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna change the dressing. I'm gonna change the sheets on it a little bit, where I'm gonna make it a different look, and I'm gonna take something off the table and make it more conservative. That's the way that you do it. That's the way we do it. If we believe that large caps are more vulnerable, we'll take a little off the top, 
We might go to small caps. We might go to international while keeping the overall equity allocation the same. So you can actually reduce your risk at the same time you keep your equity allocation the same. That's not market timing. That's just smart investing. So one of the things that I look at that helps me determine where I think the market is going and should we perhaps get a little bit more conservative if we think there's the market looks toppy, I like to go to the American Association of Individual Investors, or AAII. They do a weekly survey. Now, let me be clear. This is a non-scientific survey, all right, because it's voluntary. They are not going out and doing the survey. You yourself, you got to be a member of AAII, and you go online and you submit. You have three choices, and, and it's where do you— what, how do you see the market the next six months? Are you bullish? You think the market's going up. Are you bearish? You think the market will be lower six months from now. Or are you neutral? Eh, it could be up a few percentage points, down a few percent. I don't think the market's really going to do much this six months. Okay, then you're neutral. So you pick one of the three. And those results are published every Thursday. So voila, we have this week's number. Now, I will tell you, this thing's been around since 1987. So we've got some Good data here. Long time. We've got 30, almost 35 years of data. So the average of nearly 35 years, the average bullish percentage is 38%. That might surprise a lot of you. I think a lot of you might think, oh, it's not over 50%. Aren't at least half the people always thinking the market's going to go higher? No. Maybe if you only gave them two choices, bullish or bearish, but you have three choices here. And by the way, 38% is the highest of the three. Neutral is 31.5, maybe a little higher than you might think. Bearish is 30.5. So neutral and bearish are very similar historically since 1987. Bullish has the most at 38. Do you know the last three weeks, the bullish number has been below the historical average number? On September 29th, the bullish number was 28, 10 percentage points, 10 below its long-term average. Think about this. This is getting to my point here. I just said that was September 29th, right at the end of a month that was seeing the market fall 4%. Now, the average investor participating in this survey thinks the market's going to be bad six months. This is what individual investors do, and they do it poorly. And they do it in a way that harms their potential growth. Where they live by today, and they live by the past week. Oh my goodness, the market's down. I can't see through that. I'm worried. I think this market's going to continue to go down. So on September 29th, as we're closing out the first down month in over seven months since January of this year, you have 28% who are bullish and 41% who are bearish. Worst time because October, as we now know, has made all of those losses up and then some. Worst time that you could have pulled that bearish card out, and it happens every time. The following week, October 6th, people still didn't believe it, that the market was starting to turn. The, bear, the bullish number fell a little bit more, 25.5. Finally, when we get to a week ago on September or October 13th, the number finally jumped to 
What's the long-term average? 38%. How about that? That gets us to today. The new number, way high. Huge jump. The bullish number, 46.9. Now we're about 9 percentage points. Now, when I hear that, do I start to get worried? Do I think the market's due for a correction? No, that's not the history of this. The history where I start to think, uh, maybe we need to readjust the portfolio a little bit. Or we've been aggressively adding into the high growth area of the market. Maybe we should stop doing that now because the market looks a little tired. It looks a little toppy here. Let's take a little time out. Just we're not market timing. We're not pulling out of the market or anything like that. But we're just slowing things down here a little bit to get a better read is when that bullish number gets above 50 and stays above 50 for at least a few weeks or more. We're nowhere close to that. I don't want to give you too, I don't want to overstate this. It's not just the one indicator we look at, obviously. It's just part of the process that we look at. But it's an important one because I have found it to be a really good guide. Not a perfect guide. Not a perfect guide. It can give false warnings sometimes. We have to be cognizant of that. That's why we have to use other indicators here. My point here is, folks, if you think that there is this unbridled giddiness among investors, it's just not there. It's not in this survey. Now, it may exist from some of the people who are on Robinhood day trading on their phone app. I'm not going to disagree with you there or people on these chat rooms, or people who are buying this new Donald Trump SPAC thing that I just talked about. There's definitely some greed there. But overall, this is not 2000 again. This is not 2007 in real estate again. Nothing like it. I give this bull market the benefit of the doubt until I see the data that tells me otherwise. As my clients know, I've actually been hoping for a 5 to 8% correction. To let a little air out of this, I think it would just it would help us is into 2022. I think we haven't had a, a a down year of any note for a while. It could be 2022. That's not market timing. We're not going to change our portfolios based on that. But historically, here we go. I really am a big fan of looking at historical data. The second year of a president's four-year term is typically, on average, the worst of the four. Doesn't mean it's down. It's just the worst of the four. That's just the way it is much of the time. Well, it's going to be Joe Biden's second year. At the same time, where we'll get a better read on inflation if it really is transitory or not. And that's the key. We'll know by next year. This is the real thing. If, if, if inflation really is a major issue, more than the average investor thinks, and then it's the seasonality of a president's second year term. We got all this thing. Okay, next year might be a timeout for the market. Again, not to scare anybody. We're not going to pull out of the market at all. It's just part of the package deal. To get the gains, you got to take some occasional declines. We're watching this carefully. But inflation is the biggie. That's the biggest concern. When people say, what concerns you the most about the stock market? If we dip into a real full-fledged bear market, 20% or more, where does that come from? I say it's a combination of inflation and interest rates that would accompany it to the upside. I want to dig into that when we come back with more at your service right here on CamoX. Welcome back, my friends. I can't believe it, man. These uh, hours just fly by as I get in the zone and I get into these topics and just, uh, yep, I uh, I get a little diarrhea of the mouth. I just get going and uh, can't stop. And before I know it, it's like, oh, it's break time. 
Oh, the hour's up? Oh, three hours is up? Okay. Uh, Gift of Gab. I get it honestly. Runs in the family. Uh, so journalism was, was probably the, 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 the best place to go. But, you know, my wife is also a journalism major. So any surprise that our firstborn daughter, who's now 27, um, is one of the best writers I've ever seen in my life. She did not go into that field, though. She is a psychology major, works for the University of Texas, and uh, is very successful there. And by the way, um, yeah, as I said earlier, got engaged this week. So there you go. Um, wow. You talk about now starting to feel like you're older when your own kids are getting married and starting to have kids and all that. Yeah, it happens. The circle of life, as they say. Here's a quote for you. I think to me, the number one issue facing Main Street investors is inflation. And it's pretty clear to me that inflation is not transitory. It's probably the single biggest threat to certainly financial markets, and I think to society in general. Wow. End quote. That comes from Paul Tudor Jones, who's one of the most successful um, investors in the world. He's a hedge fund guy. He's a billionaire. And by the way, one of the great guys in that field. Um, he just is. He's got a little bit of a Southern draw. He's from Memphis, which you don't necessarily see, think is deep South, of course, but uh, he does have just kind of a little draw and he's from Memphis and he's uh, very philanthropic. And uh, boy, he was talking about one of his charities on CNBC today, and he started crying. And it even got one of the anchors tearing up. He's just, he's got a great heart. You like to see the good guys succeed like that. He started as just, I think, like a bond trader back in the day, options guy. And before you know it, because of his smarts and his intelligence, he becomes this successful billionaire fund manager. But I'm using him because not only do I have a lot of respect for him, and he's got a great track record, but it pays to listen to a guy like that. I may not be as uh, worried about his in, as, as inflation as he is, but I'm going to listen to him. And guys like him is one of the reasons why I have actually, I've written, I'm not willing to die on the hill with this uh, uh, conviction I have that inflation is transitory because I'm not really convicted on it. I just need more data to tell me, no, this is going to be sustained for a number of years. I still think that inflation is, it, obviously it's here, it's some of the highest that we've seen since the early 80s. And it's probably going to be well into 2022. But is it going to continue on with that? And is the Fed going to lose control? And are they going to have to swiftly raise interest rates a la Paul Volcker in the early 80s to try to choke it off? And then we have a deep recession. There are some concerns about that. But here's what I want to point out, because we can't also miss what Paul Tudor Jones went on to say. First of all, he talks about bonds. Most of you right now who are investors should be well diversified. Everybody will be different depending on what your needs and goals are, your risk tolerance, all of that. How much of your assets are in stocks versus bonds versus other investments, commodities, real estate, in cash, you name it. At least Paul Tudor Jones says, I don't know if I don't pretty much anything in traditional bonds. I don't know if I'd go quite that far. This is what he says, but, quote, you don't want to own fixed income. You do not want to hold that whatsoever because what they're saying, what they're telling you by their actions, he's talking about the Fed, is that they're going to 
be slow and late to fight inflation. And somewhere down the road, somebody will have to come in and put the hammer down. Yeah, folks, this is economic 101. You can't defy financial gravity here. If you really do have runaway inflation and subsequently significantly higher interest rates, traditional bonds, they'll get crushed. And the longer maturities especially, you don't want to own 20, 30-year traditional bonds in an environment like that. I am not making that prediction necessarily. I'm just telling you, if that were to occur, yeah, you don't want to own those things. So Jones would be right in that case. But most of you probably have more of your money in equities. And you have to know the facts of this. Inflation has not been the death knell for equities. It's just not. Look at the history of it. Go back and look at what the S&P 500 did in the late 70s. It may surprise you. It actually held up well. It didn't significantly outperform inflation or outpace inflation. Bonds certainly didn't. You lost money on an inflation-adjusted basis, what we call real returns. Stocks always do better, especially the companies that can pass those extra higher costs onto consumers. You want to own companies like that. You want to own inflation hedges. So his quote here, Paul Tudor Jones, who said don't own traditional bonds, says, meanwhile, quote, equities are interesting. Certainly, in an inflationary world, they are a much better bet than fixed income. So in our own little corner of the world, and I've been talking to clients about this, is we have let our stock allocations breathe. That's the term I've been using. What does that mean? Well, if somebody has 65% of their equities traditionally, and I'm looking at it, now they have 72%, 73%, normally it might be time to rebalance a little bit. That's getting a little high for their risk tolerance and what they're trying to achieve. We're not doing that so quickly this time. Because if we reallocate and move that down, do we take it and move it to bonds in an environment where there's inflation worries? No. Do we just want to take it to cash? You talk about losing out to inflation. That's really bad. So we just keep in stocks. And maybe we readjust and go to more inflation hedge stocks. That's the key. So we're not so quick to rebalance at this point. And uh, that would be my one little bit of advice as we start to wrap up um, this particular show. All right. So, folks, I do write a weekly commentary. Um, Obviously, it's free um, and nobody's trying to sell you anything. Nobody's sending you follow up emails. I don't even know who's on it. I don't see it. I write the commentary. The email name template is added to it and it is dumped into your email inbox every Friday. So, um you won't, if you email me now, it'll be too late to get on tomorrow's where I write about some of the stuff that I've just discussed, but you'll be on there for the next Friday. Um, and so how to do that, you just email to David period Simons, that's David dot S I M O N S at U B as in boy, S as in Sam.com. David period Simons at UBS.com. Just put it in the subject line. Just say, sign me up for the commentary. That's it. And you'll be added. Remember, dollars and cents in 10 days on Halloween. Until then, make it a great weekend. Talk to you soon. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.